We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Hi there. Um, good to good to speak to you all. Um, I want to start off with a video, which Jenny's going to get lined up for us, and then I'm going to take the rest of the session to try and explain and put a bit of flesh on the bones of that video. So, uh, Jenny, whenever you're ready. God's original plan was that his glory would fill the earth. It's hard to imagine what this would look like. In the Bible, we catch a glimpse of what this could be like in the form of a perfect garden. It's also seen at the end of time, represented as a city in the book of Revelation. But humankind rebelled against God's plan. Their selfishness took over and sin was established across the earth. Sin turned this perfect garden into a wasteland. Sin seeped into all creation, into individuals, families, communities, companies and nations. Nothing was immune. Everyone is caught in this sin. But God still wants his glory to fill the earth. Humankind needed a rescuer. So God sent Jesus. He dealt with the sin issue and started the process of restoring his world. Jesus redeems those who follow him. His followers receive his help and become part of the renewing of the world. The trap of sin no longer has a hold on them. He gathers them into communities, his church. God's glory is poured out into his church to be evidence of his goodness. Wherever his goodness flows forth, a bit of life returns to the desert, redeeming the corrupt places, freeing people who are struggling in the desert. Touched by the redeeming power of God, more and more join this community, reflecting his image, demonstrating his love, and touching the areas where they live and work. This is God's glory, splashing our world, And one day, it will completely fill the earth. Okay. So, um, that was a video that, that we put together some time back to try and explain this concept of redeem and reveal that's what we're called to so um i'm going to go back and forth from my powerpoint which will always add a little bit of excitement and flair to us as i managed to do that so we are called to redeem and reveal what is our why what what is the why behind all the things that we do now Just over the last few months, I tried to collect a list of all the different stuff that we're doing. Um, It's pretty overwhelming and it's not an exhaustive list. I've probably forgotten some things, but uh, you might have come across these things hitting your radar. So as part of our effort to reach out to people, we've done things like Alpha Chosen, Parenting Support, Life Post Lockdown, Marriage Course, for those things that we're looking to do to strengthen us within the church, things like Do Loss Workshops, encounter studies, burn buses, 
lots of things like that. We've got our prayer that we've got going on. Had a 24-hour prayer recently as well. We've had our fun things like quizzes, line dances. We're also doing things, we're continuing our mentoring of school students that are close to being excluded or in threat of being excluded. And we've been part of a government task force for faith communities and the COVID-19 response, which has been part of uh, faith actions work. And also in our local community, we've had the pop-up coffee shop, Hub Online, BD Can and Connect, and uh, we're gonna launch the Fabulous Fruits Club soon. Now, all these things, there's just so much going on and it could feel a little bit random that we're just chasing one idea and one fad after the next. And by the time we got comfortable with one thing, we're, we're moving on to the next thing. And that, that just can feel a little bit overwhelming. And so what we're seeking to, what I wanna to do today is trying to explain the why behind all of these things so we know why they're all connected. What have they got to do with each other? There is a method to the madness. There is a why behind all of those what's. And so that's what I wanna try and do for you today. Um, the, the, the starting point is God's original plan. So I'm going to jump back to my slides. So God's original plan, when he made the earth, it was, it was good. It represented him. And his original plan was that, his, that the whole earth would be filled with his glory. And that, that's our mission now. That's what, what we're looking at being part of. But what, what do we mean by his glory? Well, what, we're, what we mean is that every attribute of God is put on display. His love, his mercy, his justice, his power, his holiness, that the infinite beauty of God, the pure, uncontaminated nature of God is all put on display. That's what we mean by, by, by glory. And so you see it in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his wonder. Have you ever had those moments where you've just, you've been rendered speechless by a sunset? It's almost as if it was designed by someone out of this world, or at least a creator beyond that which is natural in front of us. But what if everything on earth had that purpose of making us feel speechless as if everything was designed with, by, by someone greater than ourselves? Every act of kindness talks of someone out of this world. What, what if that was the way that your recycling was collected? Well, that, that would be strange, but that's what we mean when we're talking about his glory filling the earth. It's difficult to imagine, but when you look at Eden, you see no pain, no sadness, no death. God himself walked with humans. There was that closeness to be known by him and know him as a friend. And you see that that design for Eden is still in God's plan, because that's where we're heading in Revelation 21 and 22. You see that there won't even be the need for a sun because God will illuminate everything. I, I can't get my head around that. That just seems absolutely crazy. But God made us in his image and we were designed to, 
to, to bear his image, the image of God, that beauty we were designed to bear. And so when I think about that, yeah, I kind of think of like a, a mirror reflecting. And um, I'm not sure if you, you'd be able to see this, but I'll try and, try and give it a go on the screen. So. I don't know if you can see me, but a mirror only serves its purpose as long as it's directed at the right thing. Now, unfortunately, I can't even see me because Nick's still spotlighted. But uh, for me, that that's that's really special. I, I like to see Nick, but it's kind of ruining my illustration. Okay, there we go. You to bear him like like a mirror would do. And then he told us to multiply and fill the earth. Well, what does that do? Think of loads of mirrors all holding God's image all over the earth. It ultimately fills the whole earth with his image, with his glory. So that's what we were told to do. Now, just remember, God's not interested in us in just a, a functional use like a mirror. He loves us. Remember my teaching from the other day that he rescued me because he delights in me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You see in the parable of the prodigal son, he's the father waiting on the porch, just watching for his son to return. He's the shepherd that leaves the 99. So everything is motivated by his love. And we know that God is saying in Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covers the sea. Well, water covers the sea completely. In fact, you wouldn't call it the sea if you weren't wet by it. You don't say you're on the beach and you say you're in the sea. No, the, the water is the sea. So in the same way, if a Martian was to land on earth, they'd look around and say, wow, this place is full of the glory of God. Therefore, it must be earth. That's where God's, that was God's original intent. That's what he's heading to. And you hear Jesus praying that same thing up. Let the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So everything of his glory and his rule and his goodness up there should be down here. But then we see that man fell. And that wasn't just a case of eating the wrong fruit as if he opened the wrong packet of biscuits. There was an act of rebellion. That ultimately they chose that they didn't want God in charge. They wanted to be their own God. And, and it was effectively saying, I can do a better job than God can do at being God, at looking after me. And man, man committed a coup d'etat. They took the beloved, benevolent rule of God and overthrew it and instead put themselves on the throne. This is what the Bible calls sin. And that corruption within me flows down. And that sin destroys my relationship with God. I can't possibly relate to God if I can't accept him for who he is. I can't accept him as God because I've made myself God by putting myself on his throne and ruling. And so our ability to hold his image is also lost because we need to be in relationship to be able to show what he's like. And you see that kind of in a different metaphor in the Gospel of John, where it says that you've got to be connected to the vine to be able to bear fruit. And so it was like a mirror that was and holding his image. We just stopped looking at him, so we didn't couldn't bear his image, so we couldn't be part of his glory on earth at that point. 
And so it, it, it turned Eden into this, Eden's perfection into this wasteland. And sin seeped into all creation, into individuals, families, communities, nations, politics, environments, media, charity. It, it wrecked everything. But God wasn't prepared to leave us like this. So he sent Jesus to deal with the issue of sin, to redeem creation, to legally liberate God's creation. You remember the other time I was teaching, I said, he, he, he said he will come for us. And he did. He came for us. And he invited us back into relationship with him where we once again can correctly know God and reflect God and give God the control that he deserves and the throne that he deserves. Now, anyone that comes under that leadership, comes into that relationship, is able to be free from sin and we're able to bear his image once again. And that mirror can point back at him and then we can be part of the mission to fill the earth with his glory. I can love like him. I can love with the love of God. In fact, the love of God can flow through me like a pipe. You remember what we've talked about, that he transformed me so that he can transform through me. So you see that the, the story of the Bible is bigger than just our personal salvation. Now, that is absolutely critical, our personal salvation. But yet the Bible has a bit before it and a bit after it, which is God's original plan to make the earth a place where his glory shows. If it was just about salvation, the Bible would have finished when Jesus rose from the dead. And so those that, because, because God's trying to get back to that original purpose, fill in the earth with his glory. Because a word does not return to him void. That's what he said at the beginning. And that's what he's still doing. Now, those that have responded to that message choose to uh, recognize him as God, choose to reflect his image. And he uses those people and he gathers them together in communities called church. So he gathers the, the people that have been called out of the world and puts them together into community. Why, why do we need to be in community? Well, there's no other way to really know what God's like unless we see him together. Um, we, we need to be challenged and changed. Uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia series, had two good friends in Tolkien, the writer of Lord of the Rings, and a guy called Charles Wilson, uh, which, sorry, Charles Williams. Charles Williams died, and, and C.S. Lewis said at the time, well, I, I guess at least Tolkien will be an even better friend to me now, now that there's just two of us. But what he discovered was he didn't get more of Tolkien. He actually got less of Tolkien because he realized he needed Charles Williams to draw out of Tolkien the bit that he couldn't. We need multiple people to be able to draw out a single character. So if that was true for Tolkien, how much truer is that of God? I need everyone's a sight of him to get a better rounded view of what God's like. And we need iron to sharpen iron. I need you to keep hollowing me out, challenging the bits that would get in the way that would stop me from doing what God calls me to do. I need you to encourage me to receive what God's got for my life by saying, you're so good at helping quiet people. I wonder what more God's got for you in that. And I need you to, to ask me questions of what do you think God's got for your workplace? I need you to do that for me to serve my purpose of being part of God's glory spilling onto earth. 
So there's no surprise, therefore, that the things that we're doing within the community have flown out, flowed out of the church. Let me just show you another slide from my PowerPoint. So these are the gathered ones. So imagine them like God grabs those people that have responded to him and he puts them together and they're like a cup or a piece of pipe. And into that, God pours his glory and his glory flows out into the world. And it says in Ephesians 3.10, his intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So it was God's idea that he wants to get his glory back onto earth. He chooses to do it through those people that have pointed the mirror at him, that want to recognize him as God and want to represent what he's like on the earth. God finds that he's, he's pouring his glory through those people. And he, he says in, in John 13, by this, everyone may know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So God's attributes are put on display. When God's attributes are put on display, God is glorified. The church will be the place where our ability to love each other is honed. And God's glory will fill the part of the earth where we stand. So the church needs to be open to receive from him and needs to be open to give out. We need to be hollow. We need him to put, put, put his glory through us for the good of the world that we live in. So why does the church get preferential treatment? Well, it's not about being morally superior. Sometimes Christians aren't morally superior to those that are in the world. It's about him. It's about God. It's about his love, his power, his justice. And all that I'm doing is just directing my mirror to reflect him and not pointing it away from him. That's the only advantage that I have. And therefore, that's what gives me the ability to be different. Because I'm allowing God to be God and me not to be God. I allow him to fill me with his empowering spirit, which enables me to live the way that I couldn't possibly live on my own. And it's not about subscribing to certain beliefs or belonging to a certain club. It's about allowing God to be God. And I do that when I choose to point my mirror at him. I choose to say, you should be king. And he lives through me and I benefit from that. Now, wherever that glory spreads on earth, it breaks out into life. Life begins to, to spark up from it. And it's people start acting in a way which is more like God when they're touched by his glory, when they see him for who he is. Not just what they claim to believe or about any religious activity they might do, but how they are in their family, how they are in their workplace. Because they realize they need a savior. They can't get out of the mess themselves. People abdicate the throne that they've occupied and allow God to rule their lives once more. And they start asking what pleases him. And they start declaring your will be done. The bitter would choose to forgive. The rejected and isolated are drawing into loving friendships. Wherever sinners seep, salvation follows. Injust systems begin to become just. A council and voluntary services work together for the good of the people that they're serving. 
These are the outcomes that are empowered by God, which reveal his attributes. And as that glory continues to flood out, it begins to touch people that are in the darkness. As we are continually, as the church, as we are continually allowing him to rule our lives, he continues to transform us. We then become conduits, pipes um, to, to be able to reach those others. And this is a beautiful partnership between God and his children. That heaven spills out onto earth through us. We're part of his search party. We're part of his rebuilding crew. And that's about individual salvation, but that's also about wherever we are, whatever we're involved in, there is a sense of being part of that same why to redeem and reveal, to see the glory of God fill this earth. For the glory of God to fill the earth, his attributes need to be on display in all aspects of society. So does music industry reveal God's love, mercy, purity, kindness, justice? No then it needs to be redeemed. What about business, politics, sport, local government, the charity sector, family units? All of it needs to be transformed. Many will see and know that, that and, and fear the Lord and put their trust in him when, when they see what we're doing. So as I start asking that question, what, do you, what, what honors you? What brings glory to you? As a, if I'm a council officer, I suddenly start asking, God is just, but is the current system for refuge collection just? What can be done about it? I want to see the glory of God in this earth. So what does that actually look like in real life? Well, that's that big list that I gave you at the beginning. So let's just put a few few slides up, and I'll try and um, I'll try and make put a bit of uh, life into it. So I talked about hub online. That's about the isolated, the disempowered people gathering around them, helping them on their journey. That glorifies God's. That the task force that we're doing as part with the faith communities, with the government, is all about showing what God is like. We might never actually meet the people that are the end benefit beneficiaries of these changes and policies. It might be in Liverpool or Bradford or anywhere. We might not see them, but we're part of it. Barkin and Dagnum is about um, the, the work that we're doing with the local service there, making sure people don't fall through the gap. Um, I just want to ask Avril to share for a couple of minutes before we, we close, because I want her to share with you what her experience has been in, in walking with people in the borough, one to change system, but also to see lives changed. Avril. Hi, so just quickly, um, about a year ago, we had the opportunity to apply for a contract with the local council. It was an infrastructure contract, which was about coordinating all that was happening across the volunteering community sector. And when the opportunity came up, we knew it wasn't something we should do on our own, but do a wider collective. So we invited eight local leaders, all who had significant influence and power in the local authority, and said, look, 
why don't we shape this community in a very different way? I use the words with a different spirit. One that is built on trust, collaboration, and one where we share power, we don't take power. And it was fascinating. All of them agreed to do it. So over the last year, we've spent time looking at not so much the what we do, but the how we do it. How do we build trust together? How do we make sure the most vulnerable people in the community are served well? And how do we make sure our organisations don't become the focus, but residents do? And it's really fascinating because when God spoke to us about changing the environment, when I look now a year on, 17 of the food banks are working together. In 20 years, this has not happened. During the COVID, the, the response that we came together quickly and easily as a partnership that worked strongly in team, everybody is now seen reflecting. It was an incredible time and never seen that level of collaboration. Now with the local authority, we're shaping services together for adults and for children, genuinely co-designing services. People who have never been involved in things before co-designing services. £100,000 was donated to the borough and we made it sure that it was local people who got to choose how that money was spent. These are radical things that have never happened before in Barkham and Dagenham. And as we took a step of faith to say, OK, we're going to pursue shaping the local area, God has just multiplied every step we've taken. And we're seeing things happening locally that people are now saying are radical and different. And basically people are saying the atmosphere has changed. Thank you, Avril. What, what I always find interesting with Avril's stories is you've got this policy change, but you've actually got hundreds of little conversations that Avril has with individuals where she's picking up at points um, unforgiveness in people's lives. So other colleagues that she might work with or um, personality conflicts with, with other members. And so in order to see all of the big things change, there's also got to be the conversations with the individuals at, in front of you. And I find that quite interesting because it's a macro and a micro level that we get to bring the glory of God. So just in conclusion, let me just share this last slide with you. So what is our response? Well, it might be, first of all, that you've got to make that decision to choose to gaze upon his beauty, aim that mirror at him. You might be saying, you know what? I've not directed my focus at you. I've made myself boss. Or in certain areas of my life, I have not looked to reflect you. God, I wish to change that now. It might be that you're asking God to hollow you out so you can play a greater role in filling the earth with his glory. It might be, oh, I've got this issue with these people. I'm unable to, uh, to, to be the challenge, to be the support that I want to be. And it might be that you never really thought about the why behind your activities. Like how, how is what I'm doing in Sparklers or serving with the, the setup team, how am I helping to bring God's glory to earth? Or it could be in some of your places of work or your family or relationships with distant relatives. How are you fulfilling the why? behind it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. 
We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk. Thank you.